When it hits the fan, trust the plan. This summer marks 20 years of when it hit the fan for me. I had just got home after a long bike ride. I was starving, so I opened up the freezer, took out this big bag of frozen okra. How many of y'all like frozen okra here in the south, right? And uh, I'd never fried anything before, and so I took out a big old pan. I filled it up with oil, turned the stove on high, and went to go take a shower. Y'all are judging me. I didn't know it was my first time to fry or anything, so... uh, The first sign that something was uh, amiss was the smell. I smelt something bad. I I turned off the water, opened up the the door, and the smoke just billowed in to the bathroom. And so I, I crouched down, and I made my way to the kitchen, and the cabinets were engulfed with flames. All I had was my towel, and I ran outside with my phone, and it was a flip phone, and, I, and my first instinct was like, dial 911. But in that moment, I knew that the time it would take to make the call and wait for the fire department to come, it would be too late, that a good portion of the house would be burned down. And so uh, I prayed. I said, Lord, help me. Like, uh, and I prayed for courage for my feet to be swift and lungs to be strong, and I made my way back into the house, and I took the towel, and I extinguished all of the flames on the cabinet. And then the source of the the fire was the pan. It had a pillar of, of fire on it, and I grabbed it, and I made my way through the living room, and oil and fire were burning the the, the carpet in the living room, and, and I made my way outside, and I threw it out on the front lawn, just grateful to be alive. I had, like, no more hair on my arms or my eyebrows. Some of y'all have always wondered why I am bald. <laughs> now you know. And then I waited for Stephanie to get home. My sweet little wife with the babies came in and she walked into the house in her our kitchen and she said, "What happened?" And I said, "Babe, it's a miracle. <laughs> our house was on fire and it didn't go down in flames and I was in the fire and I didn't get burned. I've never seen a bigger rolling of the eyes than I saw from my my sweet little lady in that moment. Some of you feel like you're in the fire today. You feel like you're in the middle of a crisis and you're not sure what to do. Will you please turn with me in your Bibles to the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. When plans go wrong, when hard times come, you may say, I, 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 it's tempting, right, to panic. It's tempting to make irrational decisions when you, because you never planned for the crisis. You never planned to get divorced. You never planned to get sick. You never planned to get addicted. You never planned to become bitter and angry. So what do you do during those moments? Because what you say and what you do can actually amplify the problem even more. So when in doubt, zoom out. All right. And so we're going to look at the Word of God because uh, we're in a series. I'm glad you're here for the series Promises of God. Have you enjoyed it so far? Sometimes the only hope that keeps you going forward is a promise in God's Word that reminds you that God is with you. 
that God has purpose in your pain, that somehow he's allowed it, and if you trust in him, he's going to make all things work together for his good, for your good according to his glory. That means hard times and good times. But God's got you. He, he has purpose. He wants to help you through it. And you have to trust in his timing. And his timing is always perfect. It may not be our timing, but God's timing. So 1 Samuel chapter 30, David and his mighty men have been out to battle, and they come back home. And it says in verse 1, three days later, when David and his men arrived home at their town of Ziklag, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid into the Negev in Ziklag. They had crushed Ziklag and burned it to the ground. They had carried off the women and children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. David's two wives, Ahinam from Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal from Carmel, were among those captured. David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters, and they began to talk of stoning him. But David found strength in who? In the Lord his God. Then he said to Abiathar the priest, bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought it. And then David asked the Lord, should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? And the Lord said to him, the Lord told him, yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. And so David and his 600 men set out, and they came to the brook Besor. But 200 of the men were exhausted to cross the brook. So David continued the pursuit with 400 men. Along the way, they found an Egyptian man in a field and brought him to David. And they gave him some bread to eat and water to drink. They also gave him part of a fig cake and two clusters of raisins, for he hadn't had anything to eat or drink for three days and nights. Before long, his strength returned. And this man led them to their enemy. Verse 16, it says, So he led David to them, and they found the Amalekites spread out across the fields, eating and drinking and dancing with joy because of the vast amount of plunder they had taken from the Philistines and the land of Judah. David and his men rushed in among them and slaughtered them throughout that night and the entire next day until evening. None of the Amalekites escaped except 400 young men who fled on camels. David got everything the Amalekites had taken, and he rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, small or great, son or daughter, nor anything else that had been taken. David brought everything back. He also recovered all the flocks and the herds, and his men drove them ahead of the other livestock. This plunder belongs to David, they said. Then David returned to the brook Besor and met up with the 200 men who had been left behind because they were too exhausted to go with him. And they went out to meet David and his men. And David greeted them joyfully. But some evil troublemakers among David's men said they didn't go with us, so they can't have any of the plunder we recovered. Give them their wives and children and tell them to be gone. But notice David's response here. Obviously, this was traumatic. But David does not have any bitterness towards the, the, those who didn't go with him. But he said this, no, my brothers, don't be selfish. With what the Lord has given us, he gives credit to God for giving them the deliverance. And he said he has kept us safe and helped us defeat the hand of raiders that attacked us. 
Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your presence. We trust in you, and I pray that your word would speak to us to help us. That friends that are here today, Lord, that, that are in a time of need, that feel like they are in a crisis, I pray that you would bring comfort and wisdom from above. And that, Lord, that all of us, Father, that it's not a matter of if, it's when we face a trial, that we would be better equipped and ready of how to respond by your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Again, when times get hard, your true character is made known. But it's easy to to give in to emotions. It's easy to panic, to lose hope. And it's times like this that we have to learn from God's word. And David's response will guide you during a time of crisis and tragedy. The first response, what was the first thing that David and his men did when they saw that their their hometown and their village had been burned to the ground? What did they do? They wept, right? They wept thoroughly. They mourned. They wept until they had no more power to weep. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be discouraged when you hear bad news. It's important to grieve and to mourn, to go somewhere and have a good cry, to get it out, to suppress it, to deny it is not healthy. But it's okay to mourn and to weep as long as you just don't stay there. The second thing that David did is he strengthened himself in the Lord. You are to strengthen yourself in the Lord. I know you feel weak, feel discouraged, maybe afraid, and oftentimes the most spiritual things are the most practical things, to get outside and to take a walk, to let the sun hit your skin and and, and to eat healthy and to get good rest. And you may think, I I don't don't have time. i got to figure things out. But getting a good eight hours of rest may be the most spiritual thing you can do. But to strengthen yourself in the Lord, you got to spend time with the Lord. you got to abide with him in your relationship with God, to pray, to pour out everything that's on your heart and listen to what is on God's. That's what praying is. It's a conversation. Billy Graham says that prayer is the Christian's greatest weapon. It's acknowledging that God is in control. It's thanking him for all the blessings that you do have to keep a right perspective. It's worshiping him, not just during the good times, but often during the bad times we need to worship him even more. We need to spend more time with the Lord in prayer. Even when you don't know how to pray, there might be groanings inside of you that can't be uttered into words. You must pray in the Spirit and pray with understanding. Immerse yourself in God's Word. And this is the source of truth, right? Like, this is, I love God's Word, especially during difficult times. I will pour myself into these Psalms. I find great comfort that David, a man after God's own heart, a warrior and a king was very vulnerable, right? He was very transparent, but over and over he sees that God is the source. The word of God is the source of refuge. It's an anchor during a time of storm and difficulty. Proverbs 30 verse 5 says, every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Truth will always protect you. Truth will set you free. Truth will help you sleep at night. Don't run from truth. Don't cover up truth. Don't spin truth. Truth will protect. The next thing you should do is to guard your heart. David wasn't angry. He didn't give over 
to unbridled anger, which can so easily distort truth. It makes you into someone that you're not. It's okay to be anger, but in your anger, do not sin. Do not let righteous indignation turn into unchristian resentment. David didn't. He humbled himself. The next step that we see David make is that he he began to seek wise guidance on what to do. David inquired of the Lord. Like during the moment of of tragedy and crisis, he knew i got to go to God. I've got to get an answer from the Lord. I don't want to just lean to my mighty men. I don't want to lean to my own understanding. I want to consult the Lord. I imagine that David's own sons watched David do this time and time again. And so Solomon, when he was going to be anointed as the next king and leader over Israel, he confesses, I don't know how to go out and to come in. In other words, he's saying, I don't know how, like my dad who went out into battle and how he came into the courts of God and began to worship. I don't know how. And God said, what is the one request you have? And what did, what did Solomon pray and ask God for? He prayed for wisdom. If we lack wisdom, we should ask of God, right? And so as a response, God would give wisdom over and over again. Solomon would write in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. And here's the promise. He will direct your paths. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. When the times get hard, when they're difficult, trust in the Lord. When they don't make sense, When you have all the emotions and you're thinking what's best to do, don't depend on that. But in all your ways, you say, Lord, I surrender to you. I surrender my future. I surrender these uncertain times. I surrender it to you. And the promise of the God is he will direct your paths. And he will bring light. The word of God will bring light to your paths. And so we should go to scripture for confirmation. We should inquire of the Holy Spirit. And oftentimes that inner compass like a peace will guide you. We should look to others as well. There, it's, it's good to look to your small group of friends and ask, hey, I, what would you do if you were in my shoes? We should consult spiritual authority, parents, pastors, small group leaders, Oftentimes when you are faced with making a difficult decision, when there's a leadership vacuum and you don't disclose everything, you can get in more trouble. There's safety. The Bible says there is safety. Solomon would write this. He would say very clearly in Scripture, Proverbs eleven fourteen, that where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. There is security. We also see David, he doesn't go after the enemy alone, does he? He relies on his mighty men. He, he bands together, and that's what we should do as well. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, comfort each other and edify one another. Build up each other. Encourage each other. Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. This is why we're so passionate about small groups here. I love my small group. This past Wednesday, I got to meet in our church pavilion with our small group. And my, my buddy Stephen took this picture. And then I found out later he took this picture. 
How many of you guys, there's one in every bunch, right? How many of you guys have this guy in your small group? But we talked about the promises of God, and we listened to each other's stories, and then we prayed for each other. I got to witness with my eyes one of my sisters in the small group who was a cancer survivor meet someone for the first time who's currently going through cancer. And the embrace they had and the, the special bond that happened was, was so beautiful. And we began to, to pray and lift each other up. This is why it's important during times of crisis and difficult times, it's, it's tempting to isolate ourselves. But it's during these times we need to draw close to the Lord and draw close to each other. Then when we find guidance and we have support, we need to obey God's commands. It was good for them to weep. It was good for them to hear guidance from above from the Lord and let it be confirmed. But then they had to become men of action. And they went out and fought. They fought for a cause. They fought for their families. They fought for the victims. They fought for their brothers and sisters. And we must do the same. Don't lay down, but fight. Fight for justice. Fight for truth. Fight for our brothers. Fight for where there is wrong, that the cause and the name of God can be glorified. And then finally, we get to witness God's deliverance. We trust in his timing. We trust that God would bring deliverance, and then we give him glory. Amen? We give God glory because he will direct our paths. He will deliver. He will be with us. We can trust in God. Amen. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are a good God and that you are here and we are in your presence and we are grateful for your word. So we turn our eyes upon you. Lord, I pray that this would be a moment in prayer that we can surrender what we go through, the storms, the trials, to you. I pray that no person, no brother, sister, or friend would be alone during this time. In fact, if you're here and say, hey, would you just pray for me? I'm going through a very difficult time right now. I'm in a, in a storm. I'm in a trial. I just need prayer. Would you just raise your hand all over this room? Thank you, thank you for your honesty. For those sitting by someone who raised their hand, would you just gently put your hand on their shoulder and begin to pray for them? Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would bring comfort in this moment. That they would not feel alone, but they would feel the presence of you, Jesus, and, and a church family who loves and supports. Give them peace. Calm every fear. I pray for wisdom from above. I pray that in this moment you would be, begin to remind them of scriptures and promises, that their faith would begin to increase. And Lord, by faith, we will give you all the glory for your deliverance. We trust you in your plan. In Jesus' name we prayed. And everybody said, amen.